Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Rebecca Coriam? So I'll go through the background of Rebecca Coriam briefly, then I'll move to the timeline of the disappearance, then offer my analysis. Rebecca Coriam was born in Chester, England on March 11, 1987. She graduated from a Catholic high school. She was active in the British Army cadets when she was a teenager. She attended two different universities and seemed to have an interest in sports and youth studies. She traveled to the United States and taught sports at a camp in Maine. Rebecca interviewed for a job on a Disney cruise ship in June of 2010. She was hired as a youth activity worker and went to Florida for training. She spent four months on cruise ships that were traveling to the Bahamas before taking two months off. When she returned to the cruise line, she was stationed on board the vessel Disney Wonder, which sailed out of Los Angeles, California, headed to Mexico. Rebecca would travel back to Chester, England, when her grandfather died. After this, she once again returned to the Disney Wonder. When working on board the vessel, she would regularly use Skype and Facebook to contact her family. On March 21, 2011, the Disney Wonder sailed from the port of Los Angeles, headed to Mexico. Rebecca sent a message to her parents saying she would contact them the next day. At 2 a.m. on March 22, she is spotted in the staff bar area. She was having a couple of beers and was described as happy-go-lucky. At 9 a.m., Rebecca missed the start of her work shift. Crew members tried to reach her using the public address system, but she did not respond. Rebecca was not in her room either. The vessel had a number of surveillance cameras, which were reviewed. At 5.45 a.m., she was seen talking on one of the internal phones in the crew quarters on deck one. She was wearing what appeared to be men's pajamas. She seemed to be distressed. A man walks up to her and appears to ask her if everything is okay. Based on the movements of her mouth, which can be seen in the camera footage, she appears to respond with the words, yeah, fine. Then she hangs up the phone and walks away. This was the last time she would ever be seen. As the crew searched the vessel looking for her, the United States Coast Guard and the Mexican Navy searched the water along the path which the Disney Wonder had been sailing. 
Nobody found anything. Rebecca was never seen again. The Disney Wonder is registered in the Bahamas. Therefore, a detective from the Bahamas was sent to investigate. According to Rebecca's parents, the detective only spent one day on the ship, during which he interviewed a few crew members, but didn't talk to any passengers. The official theory from the authorities in the Bahamas is that Rebecca had been swept overboard by a rogue wave. Even though at the time she went missing, the seas were normal in the area, and the area that she was thought to be in had walls that were taller than her. Did the rogue wave sneak on board and kidnap her? Perhaps the wave snuck in through an unlocked hatch? Did she owe the wave money? It's not really clear how a wave that large could have hit the ship, and no one noticed. It was like a ninja wave, trained in stealth tactics. The authorities declared Rebecca's disappearance not suspicious. In 2015, Rebecca's parents accepted a settlement from Disney for an undisclosed amount. The conditions of the agreement say they cannot talk to anyone about the case. My guess is that they were given more information at that point about what happened to Rebecca, like the cruise line didn't want to share what they knew until there was no possibility of the parents talking in public. The problem for Disney is that no matter what the cause of the disappearance was, it would not look good for them. When people get on board a cruise, whether they're passengers or crew members, returning is a key part of the experience. If the returning part is left out, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as much fun. What are the possibilities here in addition to the official story? What other theories may explain what happened? Some of the crew members said there was a cover-up by the police in the Bahamas and Disney. A bartender told a journalist that Rebecca slipped while she was jogging on deck four and flew over the railing. Based on the video evidence, it doesn't appear as though Rebecca was jogging on deck four. Another crew member said that Rebecca had gone overboard while at the crew pool on deck five. One of her flip-flops was found in the area, and the company had even put flowers near the wall of the pool. The cruise line apparently did return a pair of flip-flops to Rebecca's parents. They were found in her cabin, though, not at the pool. Her parents would say that the flip-flops recovered in the cabin were not hers. They were a size and a half too small, and they had another crew member's name and cabin number written on them. It doesn't seem like a stretch to make the assumption they didn't belong to Rebecca. Another crew member said that Rebecca liked to take chances. She thought that perhaps Rebecca had climbed up and sat on a wall next to the crew pool and fallen off the ship. One crew member claiming to be Rebecca's girlfriend said that just a few weeks before Rebecca's disappearance, the two of them were involved with a man who was the boyfriend of Rebecca's girlfriend. So this was a love triangle. As is often the case, the love triangle was not sustainable, and Rebecca became upset because the relationship with her girlfriend was in danger. In Rebecca's room, there were passes to Disneyland Paris. It is believed that she was going to give them as a gift to her family members. This makes it seem as though she was future-oriented. The next theory is that she was the victim of an assault of a sexual nature. When she was back in Britain for her grandfather's funeral, she told a friend that she was worried about being assaulted on board the ship. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. 
As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Because Rebecca was wearing men's pajamas, and because one of her pairs of shorts that was found in her room was ripped, her parents came to the conclusion that she had been assaulted and was trying to escape an assailant right before her disappearance. There were some other theories in this case as well that seem pretty unlikely. We hear these stories about her Facebook password being changed after she disappeared, and a rumor about her being spotted in Italy based on a single email that was sent to her parents. I suppose anything's possible, but it seems unlikely that Rebecca's alive. Now moving to my analysis. Before getting to breaking down some of the theories, I think it would be helpful to look at the statistics around cruise ship mortality. When people die on cruise ships, what are the causes? And how likely is any particular cause? A study published in 2020, which looked at the mortality data from 78 cruise lines collected from 2000 to 2019, showed that the vast majority of the deaths were from illnesses and natural causes. If one were to rule out those causes in the case of Rebecca, because she was young, healthy, and her body was never found, then essentially only three options remain. Murder, suicide, or accidentally traveling overboard either by falling or being swept overboard. Let's compare these causes. The sample size here for the crew is small, so I will look at both the crew and the passengers. Murders accounted for 10% of all deaths for crew members and 2% of passenger deaths. Suicide accounted for 19% of all crew deaths and 12% of passenger deaths. And accidental falls accounted for 26% of the deaths among crew members and 15% among the passengers. Being swept overboard is not a cause that was tracked in the study, probably because it's so rare or didn't appear at all in the data set. There are of course other types of accidents that can occur, but the vast majority of accidents on cruise ships are related to falling. If we consider the statistics when reflecting on this case without any other information, it is much more likely that Rebecca accidentally made her way overboard or jumped overboard intentionally than she was murdered by someone else. Now again, this is with no other evidence. The probabilities can change based on certain factors. For example, if there was camera footage of someone chasing Rebecca down a corridor with a knife, the murder theory would start to look increasingly probable relative to the two other theories. What is the evidence in this case that could modify the probabilities that would justify deviating from the probabilities that we see in this study? Rebecca was consuming alcohol not long before her disappearance. She was described as a risk taker who was impulsive. One crew member described her as a lovely girl 
with underlying sadness, suggesting that depression could have been a factor, and she may have been in a tumultuous romantic relationship, which was causing strong negative emotions. These items come together to make both the accident and suicide theories increasingly likely relative to the murder theory. And of course, the murder theory wasn't too likely to start with. When looking at all these theories related to homicide, there's really not much evidence to support any of them. Nothing that would make me believe that it's logical to deviate from the probabilities and assume that the least likely event is what occurred. The probability that Rebecca was murdered is very low, but by no means impossible. It does appear as though this case deserved a more thorough investigation. A number of cruise lines registered their ships in the Bahamas for a tax break. It would seem as though the nation's authorities have every reason to discount frightening possibilities in these investigations. They don't want to jeopardize the revenue. The one investigator who was sent only interviewed six crew members and did not interview any passengers, as I mentioned. Perhaps he was more inclined to come to conclusions that are not as worrisome to passengers and the cruise line. A rogue wave is less frightening than a homicidal offender, although if somebody's in their cabin on a cruise ship, they probably shouldn't open the door for a rogue wave or a homicidal offender. I think this case demonstrates how a lack of certainty leads to distrust. It doesn't only apply to broad conspiracy theories about alien lizards and a faked moon landing. It can apply to a specific case. If something terrible happens to somebody, friends and family of that person want to know exactly what happened. They want to know who to blame. If information is not provided, then people grow suspicious. They start wondering if there's a cover-up, if investigators are incompetent, or if a mysterious killer is on the loose. This is understandable. I think the parents in this case have a right to know what happened. They have a right to be given a high level of access to the evidence available. It would seem in this case that the authorities and the cruise line were not forthcoming to the parents. In that sense, they have to take responsibility for creating the lack of trust with Rebecca's parents. It's better to be honest and transparent when you operate a company and one of your employees goes missing. It's a terrible tragedy that can't be swept under the rug or buried in the ocean. What should frighten potential passengers and crew more than a low probability of murder is when cruise lines adopt an attitude where they do not feel the need to share information with victims' families. It makes people feel as though they can go missing and nobody will really care or investigate, that their death will not matter. So I think this is a lesson for corporate accountability and to the authorities. It is important to conduct a real investigation anytime someone goes missing. Just because there's a lot of money at stake, a huge industry putting pressure on people, that doesn't mean they can disregard their fundamental duties. Sailing aboard a cruise vessel should be safe and potentially even fun. It should not be deadly. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Allegedly is back for season two, a new crime every time. In each episode of Allegedly, you'll hear a crime told to you by the person who experienced it, intermingled with actor portrayals, original music, immersive soundscapes, to create a cinematic experience for your ear. Season two's stories include 
a young woman finding salvation in God, only to realize the leader of her church was running a sex cult. A case of a con artist swindling a kindly older man until he couldn't do anything to stop her. A landlord exploiting a mentally disabled man and keeping him a virtual prisoner. An act of bullying spinning a promising young man's life into total chaos. And a luxury boat captain inexplicably detained in a foreign prison with seemingly no hope of ever getting out. New episodes release every other week. Look for Allegedly from Voyage Media anywhere you listen to podcasts.